Out of the corner of my eye, this huge sea, sea container ship just comes pouring through the, the port. And it's literally, it feels like they're that big. It feels like you could reach out and touch them. Yeah. Um, it's got these two tugboats that sort of remind me of cattle dogs, you know, just herding a big bull into a pen, you know. And, and I, I remember just seeing the shape, look up, and Dad, my kids are tugging on my legs, like, Dad, Dad, look at that, look at that. And I looked at that and I looked back down the building and as I was doing that, all these people came running across to the harbour and they were pointing and taking photos and kind of looked back down and I just thought, this is so Frio and it's so Gage Roads that this, is, this has to be the site. G'day, this is Living the Dream, a podcast from Gage Roads where you'll hear from people who are all about going after what they love. We'll chat to photographers, musos, surfers, designers a range of people who are living life their way. All right, this one's pretty special. Today, we're sitting inside Gage Roads Frio. You might have heard about it. It's our new venue and home down here in Frio, and fittingly, it overlooks the stretch of water that first inspired our brewery more than 17 years ago. Now, as we have a chat, we'll paint a picture of what this place looks and feels like, but this project has definitely been a beast and really a couple of years in the making. The paint's still pretty fresh, with the doors just opening a couple of weeks ago. And while stacks of people were involved in making this thing real, a couple of those who are really front and centre, for the most part, are with me today. Aaron Heary, Gage Roads OG, and the guy that kicked off this idea of building a Gage venue. G'day. G'day, Jamie. Good to be here. Yeah, and Craig Peterson, the build-up managing director of ICS Australia. Good to see you. Jamie, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Hey guys, first of all, we're sitting inside this thing, it's real, how does it feel? Yeah, it's pretty surreal actually, pretty uh, amazing place, I mean, it's funny being so close to something like this and having been involved in it for a couple of years, you, you actually see that it's not finished yet, but there's, there's um, I think we've come so far, it's just amazing actually just to see people enjoying the space, especially on, um, you know, those first sort of seven to ten sort of opening days, um, just watching how people use the space, what spaces they use, what spaces they don't. It was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the space kind of comes to life with people. Yes. And you don't really know how the space is going to respond to the people <laughs> and vice versa. And then all of a sudden you see these, you know, these kind of quizzical and happy, smiling looks on people's faces and go, this is really cool. <laughs> and it really, that's what it's about. You're looking for that response. Yeah, how did it feel when the doors finally opened and you saw people actually enjoy it, being part of it, you know, adding to adding to what this is. Well, when, when you, it's a funny it's a funny place down here um, on the port in that it's been cut off from Frio for a long time, and people yeah. haven't really been coming here. So we built this thing on a bit of a dream, and uh, I was just going, I hope I hope people come down here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> relief. Yeah, it was relief. That's what it was. And and um, when we saw the lines out the door, and I think you know we had twelve hundred people in here or so, and it was it was. It was working. It was really good. It was beautiful. Does it feel a little bit like when you have a birthday party and you say it starts at 7.30 and at 7.30 and no one's there yet? You're just a little <laughs> yeah, bit yeah. nervous until you see yeah, people yeah. rock up? Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I did turn up for the birthday party in the end, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i got friends, I swear, Mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it was, it was great. We had, a, I mean, we had a series of functions down here, which was really awesome. We had a friends and family day. Um, we had a, a function down here for um, for everyone that was involved in the, in the sort of building and and sort of bringing the project together as well, um, and so that gave us a bit of a test run, a bit of a test run to see what it feels like with people in the space, see what it, see what the um, 
the, the natural ebb and flow of the building was like. There was quite a lot of people for these functions, you know. There was seven, eight hundred yeah, yeah. people for, for each of those. So um, it was great. It was really good. It was really exciting. I'm super proud and I'm just so happy that people are um, enjoying it, to be honest. What about you, Craig? When you look around now, do you just see long nights, no sleep, a few things that still need to be finished up or uh, are you just stoked to see what it is? Uh, look, we're really proud of it. But at the same time, you, when you work on anything like this, you're constantly looking at, oh, yeah, we need to do that. We just, there's a, there's a hole over there. I need, you know, and, and a lot of it is, is a, kind of a tweaking because any venue like this, you've got to just keep tweaking it until you just get it spot on. So you're always looking for how it, it's, it's built, it's finished ostensibly, but it, does it ever get finished? Because you're trying to respond to how, it, you know, how people move in the space. So, I mean, I look at it now and I think, it's very cool. We're very, very happy with it. But it's there's there's always going to be stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, take us back to the start. Where did this idea come from when you thought, hey, let's build a venue and a brewery down here overlooking the port and overlooking that strip of water, Gage Roads itself? So this this place came about um, and when I first saw it I just thought, wow, this is this is perfect for us. But I'd sort of been on a mental journey a bit a bit before that. So um, right back, right back to when um, you know I sort of ended up on the, on the exec as as um, you know chief of operations, and then shortly after chief of strategy, I started thinking like we really needed we needed a venue to really welcome people in, show up, sh- show the people what we were about, and I couldn't we couldn't do that at our sort of wholesaling brewery. So that that's had been percolating in my mind for quite a while and I knew you know we're a coastal beer brand um, there's a lot of lifestyle in our in our beers we really enjoy um, having beers beers for everyone on every occasion those those that type of sort of um, craft beer and so when I was thinking about okay well what what does a site look like for us it had to be for me near the coast um, it needed to be obviously in WA as our sort of founding um, f- f- brewery, our sort of flagship brewery here. Um, and when you start looking at coastal sites in WA, it's very actually quite limited what, where you can go. So um, I had a look at around at a number of sort of pre-existing venues, and um, they weren't quite right. And the other problem that we've got here is the sea breeze, and it just absolutely smashes coastal venues here. So when I was um, sort of thinking about it, I was kind of looking at, okay, how can we, how can we protect ourselves from that? And um, could, could the river work? I started looking at some of the river locations as well. And, and that felt great because you're overlooking the water, but it wasn't really Gage Roads. It wasn't us, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it so happened that I'd heard a rumour that this huge old warehouse down in, on the port was, was potentially coming available. And I took a little ride down here with my kids. And, um, yeah, I was sort of just wandering around I looked at the A-shed and I looked down it and if you've once you come here to this site you'll see it's it's been built into the wharf so where we're actually sitting right now where we're sitting is sort of right on the on the seawall um, the building's half over land half over water and I was looking down the wharf and the wharf's got a natural curve in it and the building's got this natural beautiful curve in it um, and I just was thinking about this 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 could be pretty this could be a pretty cool site right on the the heads to 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 the um, to the harbour, um, and 
yeah, then then it then it sort of all sort of came about in my mind. It's a little bit almost spooky to think that this is the site that came out though. When you think about this brewery that was started, you know, seventeen plus years ago. Um, and and it was inspired by Gage Road, a strip of water right there, and then this venue's looking straight at that. Absolutely. Like it's it's pretty fitting, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And and the thing that got me was was that same day I was there with the kids, beautiful day. I was looking down down the building, and then out of the corner of my eye, this huge sea sea container ship just comes pouring through the the port, and it's literally it feels like they're that big. It feels like you could reach out and touch them. Yeah. Um, it's got these two tugboats that sort of remind me of cattle dogs, you know, just herding a big bull into a pen, you know. And, and I, I remember just seeing the shape, look up, and Dad, my kids are tugging on my legs, like, Dad, Dad, look at that, look at that. And I looked at that and I looked back down the building and as I was doing that, all these people came running across from sort of at the Maritime Museum where they were and they came running across to the harbour and they were pointing and taking photos and kind of looked back down and I just thought, this is so... Frio and it's so Gage Roads that this is this has to be the site and that kind of set me off on this journey cut to two 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 and a half years or so of making bringing it all, bringing it all about yeah pretty quick turnaround I think when you think about it from sitting here with your kids watching Absolutely. the ships come in to now sitting here having a beer uh, and you know something to munch on and, and watching them roll in Craig do you remember the first time you stepped foot in here what did it look like yeah, I remember getting the keys, actually. <laughs> I was wandering through, and I looked down, there were some old um, offices that were still there. And I was just laughing because the offices had been built, and they were going to be removed, and they have been built in sort of in a style like a container. Yeah. And I remember going the first, I think I called and said to Tony, the project manager, I said, oh, who's removing the containers? <laughs> and he said, they're not containers. I'm not quite sure if we've got the right builder here. <laughs> 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 no, I, I, I guess the it was it was really exciting because I, I mean for me this is kind of gold. This is old timber shed on the water in Fremantle. You know this is uh, this is about as good as it gets because there's only buildings like this only come up maybe every 30, 40, 50 years because they normally have one life and that's it. No one else gets a chance to to have a crack at them. So when you do see a building like this, it, it's it's. Daunting and exciting at the same time. Yeah, I just wonder yeah, where the balance was with that, if it was a little bit more daunting or a little bit more uh, exciting. But, you know, there's obviously some challenges working with what this is. But for you, for the most yeah. part, you were like, this is something that I might not get to have a, a crack at again or, or for a long time. There were two. I, I remember we were doing another venue and uh, I remember the call pretty well when Aaron called me and said, you got the job. And I was, because I kept saying in the back of my mind, had this whole mantra, I, we, I really want that. I really, really <laughs> want that building. And so when he called, it was like I was just completely stoked. So then the thing is, right, now we're going to build it. I'm in deep now. Yeah, 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 totally invested. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's sort of, in a way, for me, this is uh, is the type of building you want to walk away with and people go, oh, you did that building. Craig had already had a good look at the plans. When we did the interviews for the builders, Craig was like, I think I've told you this story already, but he was, I think he was third in or fourth in and... um, you know, normally an interview is pretty structured and, you know, you ask these questions and you're talking about, you know, what have you done before, margin and blah, 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 blah. And this one just, Greg, quickly turned that from, hey, how you going, guys, to have you got some plans I can have a look at, Some just even some chicken scratch drawings, like anything that you're thinking of, and then it just turned into like a project meeting <laughs> where you're standing up there at the, at the board just sort of, 
what if we did this? What if we did that? And then, and then he kind of walked out and we all kind of looked at each other and went, yeah, that's, that's the guy for this job because he's so, he was just so passionate about, about it. And you, you could tell that he'd really looked at the building and sort of understood some of the challenges with it as well because he was already talking about it was a half the half over water half over land thing sounds great but it's actually a really big challenge to oh, build yeah. something like yeah. that yeah it's a really cool line right when you hear about it and you can put one leg on one side and one leg over the other but i imagine for you doing yeah. your work it just adds a whole heap of complexity i kind of uh, part of the bit i love about this type of building are the challenges because you're going to go into something and say anybody can build a box on a bit of concrete you know this thing presents a whole different mindset. You know, the stuff we can do on the land, the stuff we can't do over the water. There's going to be an interface. There's going to be services running between. How are we going to manage that? How's how are we going to manage the requirements for heritage? How are you going to re- manage the requirement? You know, the requirements for say the Fremantle Port Authority. You know, it's their asset. They are particularly, you know, they're proud of the asset, but for at sure. the same time, how do you do it? So yeah, we 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 kind of came into it, and I could see this as something that. The challenge was extremely exciting. Yeah. At the same time, you you know, you, I didn't think, I haven't stopped thinking about this building for about, you know, nine months. <laughs> it's a child. <laughs> and I'm still thinking, well, I kind of look at this way. I said to someone the other day, it's become a bit of an, an old mate because we've just been helping it get to a point where he's still an old mate. He still looks like an old mate, but he's just got some new clothes and he's got a new job, you know. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Um, for those for those that don't know, so this is you know nearly a hundred years old. This building, yeah. uh, it's about what a hundred and so meters long. A couple of kicks of the footy, as we yep. like to say. Um, as you mentioned, there's the, the heritage elements of this. It's half over land. It's half over water. The side facing the port is curved as well, which yep. I imagine poses some challenges. It follows the line of um, of the wharf there as well. What was the what was the greatest challenge in kind of creating this in a space like this? Um, well, um, we've, and again, we've often talked about this. I think working in a space like this, what you don't want to hit. Just cracking the whip down. Just, huh? <laughs> just trying to deal with a difficult client. No, um, <laughs> the, time, the time frame. The was time frame pushed. was the biggest challenge. You can say and that now. The checks are cleared, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think the, um, you know, the fact is we, we had a lot of other challenges, you know, supplies, uh, you know, documentation. The process of documentation for this was fairly, fairly onerous. I mean, even the even the <laughs> the demolition contractor works for most of the big mining companies, and even his paperwork didn't comply. You know, so we had to get everybody up to a level where they were actually ticking the right boxes for the port authority, and that was you know that was important. But I think really um, probably the biggest challenge here, in a kind of more in a in a broader sense is making sure we used a level of restraint so we didn't get to a point where mm. you get a building that doesn't look like what it started with. Yeah. It's a beautiful old timber shed. It's got this quirky nature of being curved to a degree, uh, which you don't really notice straight off. So then no, how do you, you accentuate that yeah. without being, you know, taking, doing it subtly, you know? So you want to embrace the wrinkles, the imperfections, all of those things Absolutely. that makes this spot so unique. You're talking about me now? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a few more there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After the, after you know, the I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the walls and the the exterior walls. You see them from the inside, and you see little holes and little cracks, and and the nuances of an old heritage building. It's been here since 1926. Yeah, and you might get the odd little bit of wind comes mm. through or a fractional rain, and look, it's no biggie. The point being, is this is the building, and the building's still here, and that's what attracts people. 
Yeah. And I think that's the key. What attracts people to this building? This old building. Yeah. It's still got a really strong voice. And I think if there's a success to this, it's the fact that it's actually still got its own personality. Mm. Going yeah. back to early doors, as yeah. did you? How difficult was it to come up with what you wanted this to be? Because I imagine you you undertake this project. You've been with Gage Roads for so long. You know exactly what it's about, and you want this place to reflect that, right? Like this is this is our home, and people can come in and see what we're all about. But yeah. how difficult was it to nail that down at the start and through the process? And did you use? certain words or images or music or feelings to try and articulate that yeah it's it it was actually a lot of fun like that that part of the process i Mm. find is really fun because there's just no idea is a bad idea you just throw it all out there we had a group that we brought together um and pretty diverse kind of group and it was just it was just like sort of embodying what is what is gauge roads about and the epitome of gauge roads. What what are we about? And we're about sort of, you know, having fun, um, the coast, the water, um, and we kind of were thinking, all right, well, what does what does that look like in a venue? You know, and and so that's where this this term, uh, the ultimate beach house, got coined. Um, and it sort of felt like what what it, what it was becoming. It was becoming. If we built, if we were to welcome someone into our home, and what does the home of Gage Roads look like? It does look like a probably a WA beach house, and that really formed some of the basis for the spaces, the ideas around what type of materials we would use, and some of the the fit out and the bars and those types of things. Um, some of the stuff you might see in a in a beach house. There's a section of couches there. There's an old fireplace. There's a front yard, a backyard, a, a deck. You know, there's. I mean, it's a pretty good beach house. There's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a rack of surfboards. There's a few old plants. You know, there's there's all. It's it's pretty relaxed. It's not pretentious at all. Um, it's pretty casual. The, even the dining and the food is pretty pretty um, pretty coastal. Yeah. Um, and it feels the sort like the sort of place you could walk in with bare feet and sand on your feet. Um, kick back and have a beer and that's sort of what we wanted was was that that kind of feel to it yeah Craig obviously as a builder you've got you've got plans and you've got specs and you've got things that you're working to but did you have to uh, have an understanding (laughs) (laughs) did you have to I assume so did you have to uh, have an understanding of what Gage was about to be able to build this joint totally I think the um, the thing for me that's quite important is understanding the brand or the culture or both in this case and it's a really strong brand because it, you know, it has quite iconic images and, uh, you know, the, the lifestyle-based images. And it really resonates with WA too. So having an understanding of that meant that as we were building it, we could work with the suppliers to pick the products. We could make sure that it still reflected that. And then it would be things like, you know, grinding the concrete. Hey, look, there's a bit of red paint that, I, that we're going to struggle to get out. Do you really want to get it out? And they go, no, 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 we want to see some of that original, you know. And, and so there were choices all the way through. So it was very much a collaborative understanding of what was going to be expressed through their brand and what they wanted it to look like. This, this whole beach house kind of feel is that people walk in and they feel comfortable because it's not too overdone. Yeah. It's, it's a very relaxed process. It's such a big building that if you, if you overdid it, I think you'd lose so much of its charm and... Was that a hard line to navigate? Do enough, but not too much. I think so. 
I think it's it's just a constant question. Yeah. Do you really want to do this? Is this important? Where's your priority? Yeah. You know, do you like that old, you know, do, I mean, I'm looking at the columns right in front of me now. I mean, some of these columns in this building are out of plumb by about, you know, 150 mils. So this wonky old shed with, you know, with this, it's still there. That's that's the beauty of it. It's a wonky old shed. Yeah. And the funny thing was, was um, so, sometimes what our vision for and other people's expectations were, were a bit different as well. So, yeah. we, you know, I'm looking right now at the floor and I can see shells, old seashells ground yeah. into the, that, that have been put in the concrete. At some point, someone's run out of material on this place when they've been building it originally and they've just thrown whatever was around Gone to the beach. into the concrete. <laughs> I'll and, be back and, in 20, yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, we've just given it a very, very fine kind of grind across the top and, and you can see all of that and... For, for me, there's a lot of beauty in that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And there's so much history in that. Um, why would you rip all the concrete up and put it, put it all down again to create nice new concrete? You, you wouldn't do it. So. Well, it's an interesting point because I think history plays a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the bit that I... And I was thinking about this the other day. The bit that I love about this place is that, as you said before, the cargo ships go past and everybody stops. Yeah. But the bit that I find quite interesting is this was built in the days before containers and everything would come off the ships on little cranes yeah. on a railway track and they'd get loaded into the space they'd get sorted the customs would have a look at it and they'd get loaded with the same little cranes that had run around the other side of the building and and load them onto onto trucks and and nowadays everything in our life is kind of predicated by can you get it in a container yeah Whereas this was built on a completely different mindset. It's yeah. really nice to that history kind of still plays a part. Yeah, very much so. And there's the, the old clerk's office, which is one of the, yes. the heritage listed items of this venue, which still remains there. And that's where goods would get ticked off as they would yep. you know, come in nearly 100 years ago, which is pretty special. You mentioned that as well, that stand and stop moment when a ship comes in. How, how have you... How have you seen that as people have been in the venue? Has it been something that's really just, you know, you can almost hear everyone's breath get taken away in a moment, stop what they're doing and just look outside and almost touch this container ship? Yeah, I, th- I think as the, um, you know, as the world has developed, those ships have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. But the port hasn't got any bigger. <laughs> it's, the same, well, it's mildly bigger, but it's the same sort of footprint so those ships now as they come in when they come through their heads they're actually pointing straight at the building the way it, yeah. the way they come in so it literally looks like if they didn't turn they were going to drive straight through us bit of trust um, there yeah. yeah and then they and then at the last minute they kind of swing and turn and the, you can see the tugs doing their job and, and they get very close so it actually when the really big ones come in they block out all the light coming from that side yeah. of the building from the north side and it almost feels, if you're looking at it, this, it's surreal. There's so much moving going past. It's one of those moments where you're like, am I moving or are they moving? Mm, you yeah, know? And yeah. it, it does stop. It's, it sort of stops people. It's like that saloon moment, you know, when yeah. someone walks in. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's <laughs> absolutely that. Yeah, you've got these uh, over there, one of, two bars here. They both have big sliding windows, vertically sliding sash windows. And uh, the bar on the eastern end has three of these big windows. And if you're standing back, it's like watching three monster TVs yeah. with this very cool movie going on in the background as you're ordering a beer. Yeah. You know, it's a it, pretty Frio moment, I reckon, yes. and, yeah. and like a nice way to connect, you know, Fremantle back to the port as well and seeing, you know, what this place was really designed and yeah. founded upon. But 
I think everyone should stand at that bar, have a beer and watch a ship come in. It's one of these things too. You, you go, oh yeah, ship, you know, you've seen them, you've seen them from a distance. But when you see them up that close, you realise, wow, that's really moving quickly. Yeah. And the amount of inertia and just force involved in pushing that thing through that water. And you just, you, you can see it. It's just incredible. It actually is really incredible. Yeah. You touched on something that I thought was pretty interesting before when you spoke about expectations of what people think this should be. So mm. Gage Roads has been around for a while. People love it. They've experienced it. They've got a connection to it. How much did that weigh on your mind a little bit when you were building this venue that people are going to come here with an idea of what Gage is about mm. and then this adds to it? You know, they almost feel like they have a, an ownership in a sense, right? It's the, the beer they love. The, the brewery they love. Yeah, that was probably, that was, that in my mind was the, probably one of the things that weighed the most heavily on me was, was that people in particular, especially in WA, but now, now, you know, nationwide have, they've got, they've got an understanding in their own minds of what, what we're about. Um, we have a brand that's been around for 17, 18 years or however long it is now. And when they, when someone envisages what a what a brand is it means something to them yeah now a lot of places they start with the venue then the brand builds out of the venue so the venue is sort of intrinsic to the brand from the start whereas this is the reverse order where people already have a an understanding in their minds what our what we're about and then to try to then build that into a venue uh it was never going to meet everyone's expectations so in the end we just had to be really pure to what we were what we felt we were about and what as a business as a company as a group of people um what what gauge roads meant to us and then just do it and hope that people kind of enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it when they yeah, came they like it yeah that must be a pretty freeing moment as well like understanding okay we, we want people to to love this and we know gauge means a lot to a lot of people but let's just be guided by uh you know our, our gut a little bit and not try and overthink how everyone's going to react yeah yeah that that's um i guess in your mind, you're always thinking, you're always thinking. Look, this this could be something that is is like a you know you have these like self talk. You know, is this going to be a, a failure? Like, are people going to like it or not like it? Is this you know, uh, are we doing the right thing here and so on and so forth? But at at some point, you're exactly right. You've just got to let all that go, trust your gut, and run with it. Yeah. Um, and just let let it let the process sort of look after itself. And I think we had such a such a good team involved in it that um, it was sort of naturally going to going to happen. Yeah. yeah, that way. We talked about the you know the ultimate WA beach shack as maybe a bit of a, an overlying kind of vibe of what this place was going to be. When we speak about WA, where do we see that in the in the materials inside Gage Roads for our Craig? Well, Matt at Design Studio did a lot of the interior selections. A lot of it was already here. Um, so I suppose you've, you, you can start with the building. So if you think of an old beach shack, you're probably talking an old timber or fibro yeah. painted. So you've already got that. And, of course, the, they've got uh, these six-metre-wide, long strips of natural concrete running through the place. And it's really interesting because in itself that is a kind of a look because we, we see concrete. It's just been ground and it's sealed and it's, it's a matte finish. So they, that's the basis of it. But what's being put in there with matter on, particularly in the bar frontages and the kitchen facade, um, we're really quite... And In fact, I had a bit of a struggle with one of them, the rammed earth on the front of one of the bars. And I'm going, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was more the case, is it going to work? 
and and it has absolutely. So you've got that that really what I think is a quite iconic WA look of rammed earth and that beautiful sort of orangey rich tones. And then on the other bar, um, which is the standout piece, I think is uh, we've got eight tons of Donnybrook stone. There are about 150 mil thick slabs. Each of them weighing about 300 350 kilos. They're very very just epic pieces of stone. And on top of that, we've used uh, some of the recycled jarra from the building and we've incorporated that with new uh, jarra and we've got a 17 and a half metre bar top <laughs> on that. In front of the kitchen, we've got, again, more recycled jarra, very rough finished. Uh, just, you know, the beautiful natural materials that we've all sort of, we just see as iconically Western Australian. And you look at them and they really stand out because as your eye goes through the building, you start to see that, and then I guess really it's punctuated by the fact that we've got some great work by, by some artists through this building. Mm. Uh, the, the artwork itself, um, the textures, the tones, and, and, and it really makes a massive difference in a space this big because it's almost a little bit like an art gallery in some ways, but a very relaxed yeah, kind one, of, you know. One you can walk into with sandy feet. <laughs> yeah, I, as soon as Aaron said that, I said, I'm coming in with sandy feet next time I come. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to kick off my shoes as you said it. I thought, it's been a missed opportunity here for the last couple of weeks. What have I been doing? Do you know, yesterday I saw one of the staff members walking into work and she had a surfboard under her arm as she walked in the door and I said, that is cool. <laughs> I, I think I wore jeans one down here once and Aaron and boots and Aaron just looked at me with this face of, what are you doing, man? <laughs> That's not here. Yeah. First and last time. Um, how, how tough was it to, to get that Donnybrook sandstone in in such large slabs to build that bar? Was that a, a challenge to, to get it in and get it set up, especially in a bar that runs, you know, 17 and a half metres long? Um, Look, the, yeah, there's a bit of a process as to how we're going to install it. The guys, the, the um, suppliers and the, uh, the um, stonemasons were fantastic. Stonemasons were absolute gems. But I guess it's also making sure that you, um, you get the look before you install it. So all the stone was laid out and then selected. So there was images of every single one of them and they're all moved around until you got the right pictures. And because it's all rough stone, I mean, it's, it's not cut finished stone it's very rough how you finish the ends is really important how you you, you do the corners and and how you finish it um, so there's there was quite a bit of legwork before the stone went you know went in but the the actual stone masonry was first class these guys did a great job yeah uh, other than the fact that you know there's eight ton of stone over the water you know is everything structurally sound are we you know all of those sort of things yeah yeah, yeah. the last thing you want to do is lose a bar through the floor, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just on that, actually, because there was some work to the to the wharf as well Correct. underneath. And is that where some of that recycled jarrah came from that you see throughout the venue and on the on the bar top as well? Yeah, the port were pretty generous with the fact that we could use a lot of the, the timber from the building, both yeah. within the building. Uh, they gave us a, a quite a large stock of uh, timber that we could use on the process and... You know, I've got to say, on this building, we, we, we had a, a mindset of using absolutely everything mm. we could in the building. Um, we uh, also received some, uh, some of the timber from the North Port, which they uh, allowed us to go and select. So it's been a really good collaborative process with the port because they realise the value of using original material in the building. Yeah. People are super aware about where things come from. And oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, yeah. it adds to the story. As... 
first venue for Gage Roads mm. and you kick it off with a 1500 capacity, 100 metre long, 100 year old shed that has just heritage littered through it. Was there any trepidation to go big right from the start? I actually felt it had to be big. I, I, I just felt that um, because people had sort of known our brand for a while, we were starting to become, you know, a bit more, a little, I wouldn't say a household name, but a bit more, a bit more well-known in, in particularly in WA, that it couldn't, it couldn't be a hole in the wall in the city somewhere. It needed to be, um, it needed to have some scale and some sort of grand, grandness about it. And, you know... Probably one of the things when we first looked at this site, we were like, well, it probably is a bit too big. Um, but then as we started to fit things onto it in, and put a brewery in here and you put in a kitchen and, you know, all the things you need, toilets and all that sort of stuff, actually, then we started to think, oh, we could do it with a bit more space. Yeah, you know? That's right. It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. What's going on in those other sheds? Yeah, yeah. You, never, you never kind of um, have enough space when you're building something like this or when you're, doing, when you're, when you're running a, um, a business like this. So... Um, no, I actually think it's perfect. I really do. I think it's perfect. The size and scale of it, I think, is is, is great, and there's that sort of grandeur in that as well. Um, and we've tried to we've tried to break it up to create some more intimate spaces within that. So it was there was a risk that as you looked down the building, it would just be full of tables and chairs and look like yeah. an airport lounge. Mm. And we really mm. we really were quite mindful of that. So you know, we've used the kitchen jutting out a bit to break that space up. We've used some of the bars to break that break that, that visual, those visual lines up a little bit at the same time as allowing them to be present if you want to see them. So if you stand back and look at one end, you can see the other end of the building and you can see the curvature in the building down the cable trays and those types of things um, from one end. But if you're sitting there having a meal, you feel in a, in a more intimate space yeah. than, than a 100 metre long shed. So it was, there was a few challenges involved in that. I think Patrick Miller from Fonspan, the architect, he did a great job. Oh, um, absolutely. With, with um, with the design and and also again in being sympathetic to the heritage, he was very um, passionate about making sure that the structures that were built, the new fit out that was built, was all detached from the main building. So when you really look into the detail of it, most of it is 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 its own free our own are their own freestanding structures to maintain the yep. heritage of the building. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Patrick's an interesting guy. I, I'm really keen to get him on the podcast um, down the track, not only to talk about this place, but some of the other work that he does. I haven't asked him yet, so I uh, kind of <laughs> have to say yes now. Patrick, if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening? I've wedged him. Um, how flexible did you have to be during the build here, Craig? Were there, was it a set and forget project? I really feel like the answer to that's going to be no. Um, and, and how many things kind of changed as you uncovered bits and pieces as the, the build went on? Look. I think early on, Aaron and I had a discussion about this, and we said this is uh, not quite a set and forget. And uh, look, it's been very collaborative between everybody. And I think understanding on a regular basis what was important and prioritise what Gage wanted uh, was part of it. But then also working with Patrick, and you know, Patrick's one of these guys that thinks very clearly about stuff. You'll ask him stuff that night, you get a, an absolute bucket of notes on it. He'll go, and, and you'll ask him a question, is this important? He'll go, no, no, I think we could probably do that, but that over there is really important. I think that's, that's you know. So he gives you a lot of feedback. Um, he's, he's a good operator in that way because he, he thinks of the building as a whole. He doesn't just isolate things into small spaces. He thinks, oh, and I think people would really like how that would fit. So the answer to your question is, uh, 
it was a very collaborative design and construct with the parties, with Gage, with Finespun. Yeah, and there, there were probably a couple of ways of going about it. Like what, one of the one of the techniques is okay, let's design everything we want, draw it all up in drawings, and then take that out and tender that, and you know, that, that's what that's what gets built along the way. If there's a few little changes, there's going to be um, you know variations they call them, and and then you know you have to deal with those those along the way and that. What we felt with this project was, we wanted to get we wanted to get it open fairly quickly. We knew it was going to take a long time to do that level of of detail, and also sometimes the magic is in what you find in the moment. And oh wow, look at that! What if we did this? Maybe we should leave that like that. Mm. And then and then you end up if if a project where you've been very rigid from the start, you end up with just I, I think like potentially missing opportunities to really showcase bits and pieces of a building or, or new ideas that, that have come along the way. Um, so our process was let's get let's get cracking, mm. let's rip the roof yeah. off and, and um, put all the new tin on and all that sort of stuff. Meanwhile, Craig's building this place. We're still designing it. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's having just as much input into the design as, as us and, and the architect along the way, right up to, you know, before we're, before we're opening, right, what are we going to do here? I think this space needs a few more, you know, plants mm. and this needs a um, this and that. You know, it was, it was really, um, all the art, yeah, let's, let's carry that on over this, this space a bit more. Yeah. And it, it didn't stop being designed until we opened it. And it's still, to be honest, right before this... Still gone. Right before this, <laughs> this conversation, we're just talking about other little tweaks and changes we want to make to the place. So I think it's going to be a, an, ev- an evolution. And that's the way it started. And I think that's hopefully yeah. for the next 40 years, it'll continue to evolve and that'll be the way it finishes. Craig, nice. you've got a job for 40 years, right? Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> well, I mean, it also goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's talk about how does the place make you feel. You know, when, when the customers are coming in here, we, you know, they'll, they'll go, oh, the beer was good, the food was good, but what they'll remember going away is, remember that night we had and how we felt about it? And that's really, to, to, to get that, the place to operate in that way is everything. It's, it's not just the food, it's not just the beer, it's not just the container ships going past. Like we said earlier, it's the type of music, it's, the, it's how the staff treat people, it's how the staff greet people as yeah. they walk in the door, and it's how staff say goodnight, Folks, uh, are we going to see you tomorrow? Yeah. You know? It's the culture. Yeah. It's the culture. It's very much the culture. Yeah. And, you know, and that requires a lot of tweaking. So it's understanding how the product is, understanding how the client responds to the product, which Gage does well. And then we go, well, look, we could do this or we could do this or we could do this. What do you want to do? That eyes open, ears open kind yes. of thing doesn't stop really, does it? You've, you've had it from the start of the project in terms of being able to change things and tweak things as you see them and it doesn't stop once the, the doors are open either. You get that through the people that, that walk in. Yeah, that's right. And you know, when you, you build something like this, you can, you can spend all the money in the world and all the time and effort and you can build the most amazing thing ever and the customer walks in and, and has, a, has a negative experience or a poor experience with the staff or with the music or mm. with the food or something like that and all of a sudden... None of that means anything. None of the design, none of none of the the Donnybrook sandstone and anything, any of that means anything. All of a sudden, that customer's walking out of here, you know, with the with a, a a negative mindset on this place, and they haven't had the greatest experience. So what we sat down at the start was okay. This is great. This is a great shell. What we've what we've built is, a, mm. is ultimately it's a shell. But what the life that we bring to it in, inside is going to be is going to be derived from from the culture that we create in inside the people, and that that to me 
is is the people. And when you say, well, what's the culture of an organisation or whatever, and people try and write it down and, you know, mission statements and all these types of mm. value statements and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's like it's sort of like how we do things around here. Yeah. That's the way I like to to mm. kind of to, 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 to sort of determine it. And before we opened the doors, I sat down with every single staff member we'd hired here, which was over 100 people, and spoke to them about culture face-to-face and talk to them, okay, how do we do things around here? What are our kind of the, the values that we have? And, you know, for me, it doesn't matter whether they've got all the skills in the world or it's their first day ever on the job straight out of school. Um, if, if they're bringing a smile, they've got, they're having fun doing their job, they're willing to learn, they're honest, transparent, um, and they really, really take pride in what they're doing, I can teach them their job, we can teach them the skills, but it's very difficult to teach people that that culture or change that culture once it's been established. And a lot of people were saying to me, I've never had anyone kind of talk to us about culture when we first start a, mm. start a job before. This is kind of, kind of odd but refreshing. And, and I think that that, for me, has been as important as the build yeah. um, and making sure that our staff will have fun doing it. That's always been one of our one of our most values at our forefront. So we've been open for a couple of weeks. Has there been a moment, something special over the last couple of weeks that's that's caught your eye, uh, that's made it all pretty real? And I don't know. We'll stay with you maybe over the journey a bit. Yeah, you know, there's the there's the first beer. There's there's a there's the um, you know the signing of the lease, and there's there's um, you know we did we actually did a. Um, a smoking ceremony in here with um, Indigenous man uh, Sean uh, Nanup, and that was really special. Actually, we had we had our whole team come down here, um, and he invited everyone that wanted to to, to be there. And um, he did uh, he did a, a smoking ceremony. We did welcome to country, and there was it was actually a lot more um, emotional than I think a lot of people had. Anticipated, and he actually spent about an hour, a good hour beforehand, just talking to us about this place, um, Wallyalup, and that's what what this place is called, um, Fremantle, to the Indigenous people. There's so much heritage and history here, um, and um, you know we, we're referring to this area as the Wallyalup waterfront now. And um, with with our team, you know, speaking to them, you could see the emotion. There was tears, there was laughter, there was joy, um, but ultimately that. Um, that ceremony where we cleansed the building, we went through, we all did it together. Um, we found some areas where we needed a bit more attention than others and, and um, it was really moving. It was great. It was really, um, for me, paying some, some respects to the traditional owners of this place um, has been really, really important. And we've also got a, a really um, special piece of artwork that Sean and his family put together right. um, down in the, uh, in the building. Um, down the uh, eastern side, down the eastern end, which tells the story of, of how his ancestors used to come to this place um, when the, when the, and walk all the way out to Rottnest Island they were able to because the, uh, the sea level was much lower. And these stories have gone on for generations and generations and generations and they still tell them um, about that, about this place and, um, and the, 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 their ancestors were buried out, out in the... Um, off the continental shelf there, out, out near Rottnest Island. So they used to literally walk across and then come back in. And now, now as the sea level has risen, when the whales and the, and the dolphins and those things come in, that's representing 
um, some of that ancestral heritage. And it was very, very, very special and moving for us. It was, it was amazing. So did you learn a bit from that and did you see it as, as a responsibility to show other people what this place means and what it has been in the past? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think we all have a responsibility. Um, this place has tremendous Indigenous heritage and um, some of those stories have, have not been told uh, in this area. So we're really, really keen to embrace that and um, uh, to help facilitate some of that, um, you know, reconciliation, I guess, along the way and, and, um, and show a lot of respect. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, very very close to our hearts yeah i think like it comes back to culture too you know you said that when you were when we we're building this place you spoke to everyone about what's this place mean to you what's the culture what are the things that we stand for and that's just another part of it i've got to say as well that during that smoking ceremony and part of that was a traditional dance which i saw you a part of and i've got some <laughs> photos of good moves aaron um, <laughs> you, you took that you took that to like a duck to water so nice work apparently um john reckons he he uh he smoked me in that one. <laughs> I'll put and just, just as we're talking, Jamie, there's a big container ship coming through the, uh, through, through past the windows here, which is um, pretty magic. Never gets boring, does it? No. no. Very, very cool. You know, I think one of the issues about a building like this is it's site responsive. You know, this building is, a, is, is made up of that amalgam of its history, its place in history, and it's not just the shed, it's, it's what happened before the shed, it's what happened, mm. it's how this port was developed and changed. And prior to that, the history of the, the local Indigenous history, how it was used and what it was used for, and that responsiveness now forms this, this whole tapestry of history that is in this building. And I think it is a story that's really important to be told because we're, we're understanding how far back the history of this area goes. You know, we're, we're looking at a container ship going past. We're looking at 100 years ago and yeah. how, you know, things were transported around the state, um, how this, you know, how this country was, was formed and shaped and changed by individuals and, um, you know, and you're standing in a piece of that. So you've got to be cognizant of what that history means and where it came from. Yeah, for sure. A couple of little specific things I wanted to talk about. So the brew kit, 16 tanks, 25 hectolitre, uh, everything that you drink here will be brewed here. How, how important has it been to have this brew kit here, have Simone, who's been with Gage, I think since 2014 or so, you know, running the, the brew team here. But to be able to bring people a little closer to the brewing, mm-hmm. when you walk in, you can see the tanks. It doesn't feel super roped off. You can see people working on the brew kit. Was that something that you really wanted to, uh, to include in this as well? Yeah, this... I mean, we are a brewery. We make beer. Um, that's what we do. We love it. We're passionate about it. And we love it more than ever. Um, and one of the things with our brewery in Palmyra is that um, we we needed up there. We needed more flexibility. So one of the things was okay. We could put in a little pilot plant or a little brewery that can help us to do more limited releases and those types of things. And then this this project came along, and that was that was the solve. So. What it does is it allows us to to brew, you know, any type of beer we want at any time and serve it across a bar here, and not not be sort of dictated by the size of the tank or the yeah. or the, the amount of space that we've got or the, the you know the production schedule or anything like that. So it really provides us a, a, a place to play with beer, um, to experiment, to do limited releases, to do you know um, trial brewing, um, but also to bring people closer to that brewing 
process through the years has been some of the true magic in it. And when you see the, someone's eyes light up when you pour a beer straight from the tank at a, in a brewery and serve it to them, they're like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And you'll never get fresher, better beer than straight from the tank. And so it was important for me that the bar was plumbed straight to the, straight to the tanks. Um, and so that anyone that's drinking a beer, whether they've had, a, you know, many people would have had a single fin out in the world, but have you drunk it straight from a tank before? And that's a, that's a, a unique experience that you're only really going to get if you're doing it in a, in a brewery. Yeah, it is a special thing, and I didn't realise until I started with Gage how cool that is, yeah. or that it even was a thing. And, you know, I'd love it when I'd be in the office and one of the brewers would walk past and go, want to try something? And out <laughs> you go. Now you can, you can do that here just by walking up to the bar. The other element I wanted to ask about as well, because I think this is a little bit different in how you've incorporated the kids' area here too. So you always talk about Gage being for everyone, but you get that feeling here as well where there's areas where you can maybe just park up with a mate and have a few beers. Uh, there's an area where you can gather with a few more mates and get stuck into it. You can sit down and kind of have a bit more of a casual meal, but also there's a lot of area for, for family as well. Run me through the, the design of the kids' area here and kind of what inspired you to do it the way you did it. I've got two young kids, as I sort of mentioned before, and one of the things that we love doing is going camping, um, go up to Nalu or, you know, Red Bluff or wherever you go, down to Bremer Bay or somewhere like that, and, you know, We'd be four driving along the sand, and the car gets bogged, and the kids are, you know, you're out digging the, digging the, um, you know, the four drive out of the sand is a very West Australian thing to do, and, um, you know, going out on boats and those those types of things. The one thing I really noticed was that the kids really enjoyed playing on, on real, real toys. Yeah. I guess you might say, and um, that's why I, I didn't want kind of that, um, the the red the red and yellow and green kind of shiny plastic playground in, in here for the families. I really wanted something that was real and spoke to some of my previous experiences. I mean, I had to disconnect the horn from my car because my kids were playing in the, in the <laughs> car so much in the campground that they were, you know, banging the horn all the time and the other campers are coming up going, man, this is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that was they, you? They, yeah, that's right. So, 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 they, so the idea of putting a you know, a 60 series Land Cruiser bogged in the sand for the kids to play in. It sort of came from that experience that I had with my young kids, really wanting to play on real things. They want to play with a tractor, not a, not a sort of a, a red shiny kind of pole, you know. Like yeah. it, 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 they want to play in a real boat. They want to be the captain. They want to be able to climb all over it, yeah, immerse yeah, themselves yeah, in it, yeah. jump on it, you know. And that's, that sort of started it. And at the same time, for the adults, adults don't want to sit there and have a... Um, you can take your kids to a playground, but can you have a great, you know, view, a beer, a pizza at the same time and have like an adult experience with your, the rest of your fa- family and friends whilst your kids are, you know, while you're sitting in that kind of environment while your kids are occupied in a playground that looks like, a, like it could be, you could be camping or you could be at the beach or you could be at the, the wharf, you know. Yeah, I think it, it's been really interesting watching the kids come in. And uh, I had a friend yesterday, we were putting some trees in, which again is part of that tweaking. We put six trees on the western side in and around the family area. And that's just the start of a continuous sort of greening and shading. And, and it's a real response to where the public are sitting. You know, if I, you know, Aaron said it before, if my kids were out here, I think it would be too hot, so we need to have more shading, we need to have more this, more that. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a friend's little son who's not, not big enough to go to school yet, and he came in yesterday and he, We'd roped off the area to put the trees in. We were just finishing up, and he's, he was just absolutely fanging to get into that 
sand, you know. And I said, do you want to come and have a look? And I just watched his face and watched how he responded to it because it was kind of like getting permission to do stuff you're not normally allowed to as a kid. Yeah. And then when you're climbing all over this boat and, you know, did you find the treasure? And, yeah. and he ran to tell his dad, I found the treasure chest. And, you know, it's a really nice response to see that direct reflection of the work that's being done, you know. And behind all of that too, you know, people, there's a hundred tons of white sand in there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all the numbers on this joint are just so big, you know. But you see there's a hundred tons of washed white sand. Wow. But, you know, you've got a 60 series land cruiser bogged in the sand and you've got a 1984, I think, you yeah. know, fishing trawler, you know, a, a really well-known local fishing family's old trawler that's been... I wouldn't say sanitised, but it's been made safe for kids. Yeah. I say not sanitised because it's still fun. There's still a little bit of edge. You've got to walk around the bits. It is safe. It's been made to, you know, industry playground standards. But, you know, it's, it's a cool place for kids to go. Yeah. have seen a few tears in the eyes of a few dads walking around and seeing that 60 series <laughs> in the sand. But I think that's, you know, take it away when they see how much fun their kids have. Yeah. I just want to ask for both of you. Going through this project the last couple of years, uh, obviously a lot has changed throughout it and there's been some flexibility. We talked about that, but how did that first beer taste? <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, oh, look, it's great. It's just a bit of a realisation, isn't it? A bit of a realisation of a dream when you finally pour that first beer out, out of there. I think yeah. there was a few of us all sort of standing around waiting for it. The bar hadn't even been properly finished off yet, had it? We just, no. it was like you poured the beer, but you couldn't, you weren't allowed to put it on the bar or Craig would have no, had No, that's right. <laughs> I was, we're still oiling the top of the bar. And he said, don't put that down. <laughs> no, I think it, it's one of those milestones. Yeah. And it's a milestone because the, the, the purpose of this is to, just to showcase Gage's beer, Gage's product. So there's the whole thing again. We're all looking forward to that first beer yeah. over the bar. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was a good, you know, and I think if it's really important to have milestones. Mm. You know, we used to laugh when I was you know, younger doing chippy work. We'd always say to residential clients, as soon as we put the slab down, you've got to put a slab on so we could have a few beers on the, on the slab. And then I said, oh, and then when we, get, when, we, when we get to ceiling height, you put a slab on. And when we get the <laughs> roof on, you put a slab on. So it was kind of that moment of saying, celebrating things with a beer is a kind of a rite of passage to these sober things. And yeah. I think it was a really nice moment. Classic brewers, right? The bar's not even finished yet and the first beer's being poured. I like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, you've got to take time to take it in and celebrate because, yeah. you know, there's always something going on. Uh, as I just wanted to finish by asking you a little bit about this place. So Frio, you're a Frio local. You've grown up around here. Gage is, like I said, inspired by this spot right here and now we've got a home that we can, we can show everyone what we're about. But... What, what are your hopes, not necessarily just for Gage Roads Frio, but for Fremantle and the port maybe over the next 5, 10, 15 years now that this place is up and running? You know, as you mentioned, I've grown up in Frio. My mum had a stall in the Frio markets. We were kids running around there, you know, shoulder to shoulder and, and with, the, with the people in there. And growing up in this space, I'm super proud of it. Um, and I've been, you know, everyone's sort of come down here and jumped on a ferry and gone to Rottnest, but no one's really you know, hung out down, you don't really hang out down here. It's sort of hot and dry and windy. This is um, not a lot of shade. And um, what we, one of the things that I really am passionate about is helping to convert this area into a place for the people of Frio and for the, you know, the people of the state and and tourists alike to come down. But in particular, opening it up to Fremantle and giving Fremantle 
back its back back its kind of mm. its port um, in a, in a way, you know, a little piece of it to the public, and that um, the idea of you know joining. So look, it takes you. You wouldn't know this if you were here, but it takes literally five minutes to walk to Bathers Beach from here through the back through the back of the um, of the sheds, and so just creating a nice walkway that people feel like that that's you know a place where they can go, and connecting up that to the, to Bathers Beach, Muse Road down to that area, um, the fishing boat harbour. That's a you know that 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 should. That's just absolutely. I'm passionate about getting that done, and then the connections across to Fremantle, across to Market Street, through the train station. The train station opens on one side, to towards the Fremantle side, but doesn't open out onto the port side. So if we can get that train station opened out onto the port, get some green space um, and some investment in this area, I think this would be an f- absolute amazing uh, precinct for the future. And we uh, we really want to um, be a big part of helping that process along. And um, whilst maintaining maintaining its fabric, so you know you, you don't want just a huge development, you know, with a rubber stamp on it, it's like done, you know, that it's all just plastic, fantastic, concrete, and it's all new. You know, you want to kind of have it sort of evolve in a natural way, so that it keeps its keeps its history and heritage, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, join, joining it up with with Freo is I'm pretty pretty passionate about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens down here over the next you know even few weeks, few years, and, and decades to come. Congrats on what you've achieved with this place. It's awesome to sit in here and it's real. Uh, and um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of I think fantastic times and, and memories yeah. um, over the next few years. So if you haven't been down here yet, come down, say good day, and enjoy a beer. Absolutely. Cool guys. Thanks so much. No worries. Thanks, thanks for, Jamie. Thanks for having us, Jamie. That's Living the Dream by Gage Rhodes. Gage is an indie brewer just out of Frio in WA that's all about going after it and having an epic time with a few brews. Check them out at gagerhodes.com.au. Thanks again for having a listen. Subscribe so you don't miss an app. Share it with your mates. Chuck us a rating. And get in touch if there's someone you want to hear from on the potty. I'm Jamie Burnett. Cheers.